Welcome back to Tuesday with Tim, the podcast that touches on all things related to brain injuries among children and those who have been inspired and impacted by my son, Luke. A very, very, very special guest today, Dr. Carrie Pinckney. Dr. Pinckney, how are you today? I'm all right, Tim. I'm honored to be here with you and your and your listeners. Well, you are a very special person in, in our life. Not only are you one of our board members with Team Luke Hope for Minds, but more importantly, you were there shortly after Luke arrived at the hospital on you at UMC, Luke's accident, July 28th, 2015. If you could, without getting into too many details, I would love to know when you first saw Luke and really to some extent what you felt the improvement Luke might make. Sure. Well, I, you know, I'm going to answer your second question first. I tend to not make judgments right off the bat from, you know, look, judging the book by its cover, as it were. Um, you know, it, it's it's always hard in the ICU because it's such an artificial environment to what any patient is used to. And so we have all sorts of noises and medications and things that can interfere with patients' ability to communicate with us and let us know what's going on with them, that making that judgment too quickly can get us in trouble as far as um, overstating what we think they can do or understating what we think they can do. So I'll qualify it with that. Um, and I'm going to say that in, when I first saw Luke, and I still remember that day on rounds, actually, it's kind of burned in my memory in a good way. Um, and I was listening to his story uh, in great detail, and I just couldn't believe that he actually was able to survive all that he had been through. And I thought, what a fighter. And I just felt like he had something special. And, and I say that not, not lightly. I, I will, I believe every one of the children that I've cared for throughout my 30 year career uh, in the ICU and even in the hospital side always have something special. But there was just a light around Luke that was very different than what we see a lot of times. And I just, I had a good, warm, fuzzy feeling on the inside. But I was um, worried for the road ahead that he had because I knew it was going to be a struggle for him and for all of the family. What made you think that there was something different about Luke? You know, it's... <laughs> You know, people say it's a God thing, but I I just, I don't know. I had this feeling inside in my heart that he he was just different. He, he had a light um, that we don't see very often. And I'm not going to say that's the only time I've seen it. It's not, but he definitely had a, a light and a warmth. And there was just something in his eyes that... Um, I felt like he was more in there than anybody thought up to that point. We were at UMC for 44 days and I was there for 44 days yes, you by were. his side. And, and so was my wife and, yeah. and countless 
people in the lobby. Um, but I always looked forward to you and the doctors rounding, but then was always nervous about what might be said. But you were the one person that I always felt that there was a bit more glimmer of hope uh, than I received from others. Um, so you had, if you think Thank Luke you. had something special about him, I certainly, and Jenny as well, felt that um, that you had that as well. And I will always appreciate um, the hope that you gave to us because in all of my experience from that point forward to all of the families that I talk to on a, on a daily basis, we don't always get that opportunity to be around a doctor who does give us hope. Um, and I know that must be the biggest challenge for you. You stated earlier that you don't want to in some ways over deliver, but so many times I have heard um, what a child is likely not going to do based on an MRI. I assume that's that's your parameter, the MRI at first. For some people it is. I I was not, from medical school on and actually even before, um, I, I was not taught to judge patients by their studies. I was taught to judge them by your examination. And I think that's a part of medicine. You know, we talk about there's there's an art and a science to medicine. And the science is very important and sometimes oft underappreciated um, nowadays. But the the art is very important as well. And I had mentors throughout my life who, and professional career in particular, who always taught me, look at the patient. Yes, the monitors and the scans and the labs and all of those things are, are vital to your decision-making, but really look at the patients. And I had a very wise attending when I was a medical student um, on the internal medicine service, not to wax poetic here, but who always said, keep both eyes on the patient and everything else will take care of itself. And I've always tried to remember that. Um, I've always had mentors who said, you utilize those labs and those um, studies to help you make decisions. But in, at the end of the day, pay attention to the patient and what the patient is doing. And I, I've had so many experiences where people had given up and that turned out to be the most important thing. And so I've never let go of that. Um, and Luke was one of those, one of those patients. We see children who have brain injuries that are acquired from lack of oxygen, traumatic injury, the combination of both, um, be it abuse, you know, or accidents, uh, all of those things. And, Children in particular never cease to amaze me in what they end up being able to do. And so I always try to tell parents, we just need to wait and see and provide them the best medical care we can give them. And that's all we can do at this point and, and try to maximize their potential because children have a remarkable resiliency and children have a remarkable ability to heal that we as adults don't have. And so I think we have, we owe them that to give them that opportunity and every chance 
an optimistic thought and prayer that we can. Well, that's, that's, I think that's great advice for those that are listening, because, you know, as parents, if our child has a knee operation or a, a, a broken arm, we know in six or eight weeks that part of the body will heal. But when you are dealing with a brain injury, it is the unknown. And we all know that it is a slow process. But when not only do we not know, but when a doctor, a neurologist doesn't exactly know what's going to happen, it's it's that more challenging. I assume you've seen patients with an MRI like Luke, globally damaged, who who made some significant improvements. I I guess the word might be shocked. Have you been shocked at some of the results that you've seen? Oh, I've been absolutely shocked over the years. I was just, you know, I, I was thinking back over several of the children that have astounded all of us. Um, I spent several years um, when my father was ill doing what we call locum work and, and traveling to different intensive care, pediatric intensive care units around the country and working with colleagues. And um, I have to say, it never ceases to amaze me the things that I've been lucky enough to see and from training, you know, all the way through to, you know, current time. And I remember a young lady in in Baltimore uh, when I was working there who had a brain tumor and gosh, you know, she had a horrible go of it for many years. And I still see her occasionally on social media and follow her story. And she's in college and doing wonderful. And I remember the neurosurgeons and the neurologists just shaking their heads, telling the parents that they didn't think she'd survive, that she had way too many things going on with the structure of her brain after the tumor and surgery and very skilled surgeons, um, some of whom are rather famous. I'm not going to name names, but um, and just just one of those things that you just don't think they're they're going to pull through, much less thrive and and do those kinds of great things. I remember very distinctly a young lady who was um, in elementary school who was riding in the back seat of a car, appropriately restrained, and the car was sideswiped. Um, and her head hit the side window and then her head kind of, we call it a coup contra coup. So you kind of go from one side to the other. So she really kind of had bruising and traumatic brain injury on both sides. And I remember the neurosurgeon who, again, incredibly skilled, brilliant guy, um, whom I very much enjoyed working with. None of us thought she was going to survive. Her intracranial pressures were in the 50s for over a week. And I will tell you that normal is under 20. Um, and we just, you know, she had operations to take off pieces of her skull to allow her to swell and go back again. And he would come in every day and say, what are we doing? She's not going to live. She's not going to live. And one of the greatest joys in a career was that um, 
her parents brought her back in the unit after she finished rehab and then would come back and see us every year. And this was a little girl who ended up on the honor roll. And her mom always said she wasn't on the honor roll before her injury. I don't know how she ended up on the honor roll now. And so it, it it's just, and, and I can't tell you how terrible her scams were, um, you know, even worse looking than Luke's. Um, but it, it's just, you never know. The test doesn't tell the whole story. The pictures don't tell the whole story. The child does. And so that's, that's all I can say is, you know, we really have to take our medical knowledge and all of the skill and the tests in stride with what we see the child doing. And they do have remarkable abilities. Well, you, you talk about the fighter that you see in some of these patients. And I think it's also what happens when they leave the hospital. You know, what we yes. were told that Luke at a different hospital, we were told that Luke was never going to use his limbs, use his voice and should never open his eyes. But I, I didn't think that they knew me and how involved I would be, how involved Jenny would be, uh, how much love Luke was going to receive and the therapies that we we're going to be able to do. And so uh, I think that's, that's important. Um, I always tell parents that the most important therapy is love. You know, I talked to Luke. I didn't talk about Luke and, Absolutely. and we talked about football and baseball and things that I knew that Luke loved. And, um, and I, I often talk to parents about how important it is to be involved with your child when he or she leaves um, the hospital and then on to rehab. One of the questions that I get a lot um, from parents is, at what point do you think that the progress is sort of stalled? You know, I've heard 18 months, but I'm here to tell those that are listening that Luke's biggest, most important progress was year six. Um, your your reply to that? So my reply to that is, um, I don't think it ever ends. Um, I don't think we can put a date on it. There, there's, or a timeline. There, Every child moves and learns at their own pace. Every child with an injury, um, their brain remodels and repairs to some degree. It's different for everybody. And all I can say is you're exactly right when you say the big therapy is love and parental investment. And, you know, our, our physical therapists and speech therapists and occupational therapists do an absolutely incredible job. But there is no substitute for that parental devotion, involvement, um, and, and skill and love that is there. We love our patients, but it's not the same. And I think that that is an off a force that is often underestimated. And I tell parents all the time that you are your child's expert, whether they're medically complicated children or not. It doesn't matter. You know your child best. No one does other than you. You're with them all the time. And so when I'm teaching medical students and residents, I try to remind them when the parent tells you something is wrong, you need to listen because they know their child best. They are their expert. And I think that is something that Sometimes in in our world um, of medicine, we get busy 
and and I don't mean this in a negative way, but we we sort of forget that piece of it. And we live in such a society of instant gratification nowadays with these you know devices that we all walk around with, and we have the world literally at our fingertips. And I think that people expect an answer and expect an immediate change. And I tell parents all the time, this is the marathon, not a sprint. And you really, if you're in it for the long haul, you will see change. But And it's hard to, when you're with your child every day, to notice changes that may be subtle. But if we see them once a month, once a week, you know, once a day, there are changes that may occur that you don't even notice that we may notice because they're different um, than they were the last time we saw them. Um, but to you, that may just be not even something that you've even realized has been a change. So it, it sort of cuts a little bit both ways. But I absolutely encourage parents to to be involved and and their siblings as well and make it a family affair and how they're supporting and caring for their child who's medically complicated because there is no substitute for that. And they those that's where the strides will come. There's absolutely um no question about that. Um and, and like I said, every child moves at, at their own pace for everything. And so that devotion and that love really, really do make a difference. Um, so I don't know that we can ever predict with 100% accuracy who's going to stall or, you know, not or when. You sort of answered my, my next question um, when it <laughs> okay. comes to advice that you would give to parents. And I know certainly being involved. Is there anything else that you can think of um, for parents, you, you talked about it's a marathon, not a sprint. I looked at it somewhat in a different way that it was a new sprint every day. I woke up thinking, okay, what is Luke going to do differently today? It's a new day. It's a different day. And then I would do the same thing the next day. I understand why it's thought of as a marathon, but is there is there another piece of advice other than being involved that you could give to parents? I, I think, and, and this is going to sound negative, but I, I worry for some parents, there are people out there who will try to take advantage and purvey false hope and promise you the world um, and really try to offer things that are not really medically sound. Um, and I hate, I hate that that occurs, but it does. So while I want to encourage them to be overly involved and to investigate every possible opportunity to help their child improve as you and Jenny did. I also want them to think very carefully and do their research from really good sources that are respected and um, well-known and medically sound to make sure that they're not getting into a situation where they're going to get taken advantage of. And I will tell you, I've seen that happen and that is heartbreaking um, but there are lots of things that are available in the U.S. and around the world. There are lots of things going on in studies and so forth to help children who have 
complex brain injuries. There's a lot of things that we're learning every day about the plasticity of the brain, how it can um, repair itself, what it can do, what it can't do. And I'm going to tell you, there's a whole lot that goes on, um, you know, behind those eyeballs and, and up in that big hunk of gray matter um, with a little bit of white matter that um, we just don't know and understand. And I think it's important to pay attention to the things that come out of really well-respected centers with regard to studying brain injuries, both acquired and um, from, you know, lack of oxygen and from uh, trauma or injury um, and really kind of pushed, pushed that um, narrative for yourself and try to do your homework um, and take advantage of the resources you have. Um, but I just say, don't give up. You know, I, I think it's, um, I don't give up easily. I tell parents that and I tell them, I, I will be honest with you and straightforward. And if I really think that we're at a point where we're not going to be able to do anything further, I will tell you, but I don't give up easily. And I think that's, that's an important, important thing. And if you're seeing changes, keep a journal, keep a diary, make notes of things that you see, try out stuff. I think the important things that you did, Tim, were music therapy, which is really helpful. Um, and I know Luke loved his Ed Sheeran. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we know that music therapy has immensely um, therapeutic properties, um, play therapy and so forth, but everybody's child is in a different place when they have an acquired brain injury. And I think you just have to take advantage of those, the momentum of little, little victories and really push when you can. And I will say you and Jenny and the girls were a force to be reckoned with. Um, and I really think that, that really tremendously helped Luke and propelled Luke forward. And I think your story is so vital for all families to learn from and to not give up and do what they can and really rely on the medical sources for, you know, the medical expertise, but, you know, there's still no replacement for parental expertise. Well, Dr. Pickney, I, you gave some tremendous advice and, and I will never forget um, those, those moments. And you mentioned when the, the monitor would show the brain pressure at 50, when, when Luke would hit 20 and wouldn't go down, I just felt so much tightness in my own chest and, and you were always there to comfort all of us. And, and um, you know, I can't, I will never say enough good things about uh, my experience uh, with you, the admiration I have for therapists, nurses, social workers and doctors and and what I saw from you was was tremendous and and your involvement with team Luke for minds uh is so appreciated so thank you so much for sharing and I hope I hope those listening um really took took your advice to heart because it will be very much very very beneficial thank you again for being here thank you for asking me and again it was an honor and a pleasure and it really was an honor and a privilege to care for Luke and your family for all this time and it really is an honor for me to serve on the board. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Yes, sir. Well, that was Dr. Carrie Pinckney, who 
was there for us from the very beginning and and continues to be serving on our board at Team Lecoultre for Mines. I know many of you listening today, uh, the most traumatic besides the injury itself to your child is when a doctor gives you very little hope. And I've heard it all from you should consider pulling the plug to putting your child into a home and your child is not going to improve. I've heard a lot of it. Um, I was a part of it myself. And if you can find that doctor and, and never give up hope, it's so important. And Dr. Pinckney was that doctor for us who didn't give us false hope, but made us believe that together we could possibly see some improvement. And we not only saw some improvement, we saw tremendous improvement. And um, I, I hope you enjoyed listening to Dr. Pinckney and hopefully it will help you as well. Thanks for being here. This is Tuesday with Tim.